Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cannabis Marketing Live. I'm your host, Jake Litke, and today we have Angela Pye. Angela is a marketing leader. Um, she has been in charge of brands at Pop and Barkley, Canacraft, most recently State House, which includes Harborside. And uh, what's the other brand there? Urban Leaf. Urban Leaf, yes, uh, which has a portfolio of six brands itself. So she's got a long history in marketing. She's been both in the cannabis space for a long time and worked outside the cannabis space prior. So she brings a wealth of experience in, in both environments. And uh, today we are going to be talking about mid-funnel tactics. So um, let's just dive right in. I will start by just explaining what the middle of the funnel is to begin with, because that's something we use all the time. Um, you know, the funnel is your marketing funnel. You want to put people in the funnel and they should come out at the other side as customers. Um, the top of the funnel is usually awareness. The middle is engagement. And then the bottom is conversion. So we're talking about the middle of the funnel today. That means we are dealing with customers who are aware of your brand or are existing customers. And we want to talk about how to keep engagement, nurture those relationships and, and build long lasting customers out of that. So um to start with angela um i did want to before we jump into that i did want to shout out i saw your post on linkedin about how you are working with the emerald cup now very exciting you know emerald cup has been around for 20 years and they're about to go into their 20th anniversary um in the spring of next year 2024 um it is you know really the oscars of the cannabis industry it's you know, the the judging, the awards, all of that is really rigorous. Um, people really flock to want to be an Emerald Cup judge, um, to taste and and to award the best of the best. And also the Emerald Cup events themselves are, you know, over a course of a couple of days. And those are really well intended as well as uh, live entertainment. So stay tuned for some announcements in terms of what's in store to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Emerald Cup. That sounds very exciting. Do you get to be part of the panel that chooses the products that are getting judged? Is that one of the perks or no? Nope, nope. Um, that's definitely above my clearance grade. <laughs> Fair enough. So I'll leave it. I'll leave it to more of the experts. But certainly, I get we get to, you know, we get to celebrate those brands and taste those products afterwards. You know, after all the judging and after the award ceremony. So that's um, it's a really wonderful group of people who um, have been supporting and driving and leading the way with the Emerald Cup. Awesome. All right. So let's talk about mid-funnel tactics. Um, I It would be helpful, I think, if you could broadly describe maybe the, the categories of mid-funnel tactics that you've used in the past and the ones that you think are the most critical for people to start thinking about as they foster engagement with their customers. Yeah. Um, even before we go into some of those mid-funnel tactics, I think um, one of the fundamental understanding is knowing who your audience and who your target audience are, right? So I always talk about segmentation. You know, your group of shoppers or consumers are not the same people. Um, you have, you know, people who are your frequent purchasers. You have your customers that are high value. Um, you have, you know, within your brand portfolio, certain products that have certain preferences. So understanding the behaviors of your segments helps you then define on what's the right tactics to really deploy 
when you're having when you're creating these mid funnel engagement, which is if you think about it in layman terms, it's kind of like your courting period, right? Somebody uh, they notice you, they're a bit interested, but they want to learn more about you. Maybe you'll get a date, maybe you get a second date, maybe even get a dinner. Um, so if you think about that in terms of relationships, that mid-level marketing um, tactics are so crucial because it's your opportunity to showcase who you are um, to continue to get them, your consumers or potential consumers to be intrigued. So you're thinking about, um, are these emails, you know, is it email marketing that, um, that you're going to be putting out there? Is it going to be social engagement and what you put on your social platforms and social ads? Um, is it going to be a combination of, um, a programmatic type buy where you want to kind of incentivize and sweeten the deal a little bit to get them to convert faster, to get them to um, your third or your fourth layer of lower two funnel, which is closest to conversion. Um, you might have certain events that you're hosting. So you're inviting these prospects to engage and have a uh, real customer experience with your products. So these are some of the, and you know, they're, they're obviously the paid ads, but a lot of these types of tactics, I think, at the core of them need to be very targeted to understand the behaviors of who you're trying to incentivize. And, um, and that segmentation needs to come out of who do you want to incentivize? Who do you want to bring in? Who looks more like your valuable and loyal customers? Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's very helpful. Um, now you mentioned email, social display or programmatic. There's also texting, um, do you find that, um, so let's define some broad segments. Some broad segments would be, you know, frequent shoppers, infrequent shoppers, maybe people who have engaged but have never purchased, which is actually a surprisingly large cohort in some, in, for some um, businesses where they've had people sign up for something but never made a purchase. Um, so you've got sort of the frequency or loyalty of a customer. You then, I would say you have age is another vector. And I think that plays into how you communicate with people because I think different generations use different tools and yeah, different tools, phones, email, et cetera. Um, and then you have the brands within your portfolio, whether it's retail or brands. Um, you know, you worked with Pop and Barkley, which is a very health focused brand, which is a very different set of messaging than like a high potency vape cartridge, for example. For sure. One might have. So when you're thinking about those different facets, um, how do you most effectively communicate with, with those different um, types of segments? Sure. Um, with a brand like Pop and Barkley, that's very much about education first. Um, you're going to go in there. You're going to capture that first cannabis conversation. Talk to that potential customer on what are the health um, benefits. Um, they could be functional, could be emotional benefits of Pop and Barkley products. And maybe you can incentivize for them to sample in a way at an event compliantly, of course, um, and be value first in terms of, you know, what can I tell you about Pop and Barkley, the integrity of the product, it being clean and solventless 
and how can it help you with your, you know, your back pain, or you just came off your, the pickleball court and you're just feeling a little bit of soreness. So, you know, what can the salve do for you? Or what about a, a daily tincture that you can add into your regimen regimen for your, for your smoothie? So um, that's very different from say, you know, um, going to a brand like, you know, King Roll, um, where it, it is a, a more frequent purchase, lower unit cost, and might have higher uh, frequency of, um, of usage than say your patch or your bomb. So all of that is, in, is an understanding of, um, of consumer activity. So the, the types of in the types of information and, and the frequency of communication to someone who's going to buy King Roll versus a pop on Barkley would be, mm. be significantly different. And um, the what are they willing to spend, how often they're going to use it, and what type of information is going to help them um, take them from a consideration to a purchase is also very different because you're also thinking about how they're using it and um, what kind of scenarios are they going to be consuming or using those products? Yeah. So you've got different frequency um, for different products. Do you have some best practices in terms of cadence of communication as it relates to the, like a frequency of products? So um, if you have, let's say you've got an email newsletter, is it, are you sending messages out once a month to your whole list? Are you going to segment and say, I have like a, a monthly newsletter, but then I also have weekly specials. You know, there's, I've definitely been on some, some delivery lists where they, they ab abuse the list, right. Where they're texting you every day or every other day in your mind. Um, what would be some like good guideposts to give someone when they're thinking about how frequently they want to do outreach via email or text? Sure. I think a difference between um, whether you're a brand communicating to your audience, you know, de depending on your segment and um, and if, if you're a retailer. So um, while I was at Harborside and Urban Leaf, uh, when I first arrived, we were sending the same email to the entire database um, twice a week. So it would be whatever the offer is in the beginning of the month, uh, beginning of the week in mm -hmm. terms of promotions or future brands. And then a Thursday email that would go out ahead of the weekend because we know that Friday, Saturday, Sunday are high, you know, purchase and high velocity days. So you need to um, be informative in terms of what are the brands, what are the products, what are the promotions that are happening? What are the events that's happening at different stores? So that cadence was a twice a week uh, email cadence. Now, when we really revved up loyalty, we were segmenting our entire base depending on value frequency and what was the product form factor. Um, and also, you know, everything from abandoned cart and all that uh, and welcome series. We were probably sending out upwards of 25 to 30 emails per week, but you as an individual would not be receiving 30 emails a week from us. We were more sophisticated in terms of who we were messaging, um, what we think that person is interested in, and then sending very different uh, segmented and customized emails. So I would say 
it depends on how sophisticated you want to get with your um so your upper funnel um base who you want to then warm up into your mid funnel and then towards your conversion at the lower funnel okay and then um if you look at sort of all of the marketing teams that that you've worked with when you have gone through this exercise of taking, you know, a, a big list and just blasting the list with the same messaging, when you go through the effort to segment them and start to customize when and what you're sending to the different um, cohorts that you have, what kind of uh, performance metrics have you seen in terms of how much of a difference has that made when you've made that transition? Oh, huge. I mean, you really want to be able to see. so. Let's say from an omni-channel standpoint, right? You might, um, and now let's talk brand. Uh, you might have captured um, a potential customer's email or uh, phone number, right? In your data capture at an event, that person might have been at a booth or at a demo. They hear about you. They say, oh, that's kind of interesting. Sure, I'll give my email or my phone number out to you so that you can communicate with me. Now, that's huge. That piece of information and what you can do with it is very, very, very valuable. So mm -hmm. having first party data, I think, is very critical to um, building a direct relationship and, and communication with your audience base. Now, from there, you're going to then think about, hmm, what do I, um, how often and what am I going to send to this person? And um, I can try a couple of different things. I can say, you know, 15% off your first purchase and see if that converts. Hmm, maybe that doesn't do anything. Maybe I send that person something that's useful. How to use product XYZ under um, for your evening wind down. Hmm, maybe that does it doesn't work. Um, maybe I need to send that person more of a blog information about, you know, how it's really well credentialed and thought of and some and some uh, user testimonials to say, this is really great stuff. You ought to try it and see what works. So you are testing several ways of streams of communicating to see how quickly they're going to uh, they're going to be able to be incentivized. And then from the omni-channel standpoint, you can say, oh, maybe you want the convenience of converting uh, online for delivery, or you want to actually go into a store, have a chat with somebody and, um, and go to a favorite dispensary or your retailer to be able to check it out and then convert there. So I think it's, again, comes down to behaviors and what your preference is. Uh, a more mature consumer might want that face-to-face -face communication with a bud tender that would need to have a little bit of a dialogue. Oh, I'm experiencing, you know, really bad nights of sleep. And, you know, what do you have in terms of sleep aids that could help me? Or you might have somebody who is what I call a high performance seeker who likes to grind through the day and, you know, really maximize their, uh, their time. So they're looking for something that is going to be more functionally beneficial during the day. Like maybe they're going to say, hey, what are some of the products that have great THCV in it that's going to help me focus and um, and and to be able to function during a day and, and be a high performer. So some of those bits of information can be sent out more as an email, could be a dialogue. Um, I think not so much as a text message. Most of the dispensaries I see or brands tend to send out text message that are more promotionally driven and shorter and lower funnel. Yeah. 
So if you take those sort of best practices and if you, I was looking for maybe an example in your past where you've taken a, um, a, a simple communication group, broken it up into more logical units and sent different messaging. Have you seen an actual increase in sales velocity or sell through? And if you have, did you did what did a, did a change like that make some sort of percentage increase in the following month sales or something like that? Just oh, what I'm getting at is like yeah, I'm I'm seeing okay. So this is something that when I was at Canacraft, you and I worked on mm-hmm. um, as part of our uh, digital campaign, where we um, we supported certain uh, a certain dispensary for driving sell through, right? So we had a programmatic campaign. We understood who that audience is, and um, we committed a certain amount for, you know, programmatic ads to incentivize this. Uh, I think it was like a, a vape consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we locked in that campaign. We had those. We had the ads that were placed, and we really saw that with the attribution, there was there was a really great velocity to drive sell through that. Um, that equated to, I think, re-upping two to three times within a much shorter period. And that was even a new dispensary that we did that. So I think the KPIs on programmatic, targeting a certain consumer, understanding that um, that level of support and reminder can, you know, you can see two to three times lift on those types of efforts, you know, to yeah. take prospect to a, a repeat customer. Yeah, and specifically, I think, in that instance, and this is something that we do more and more frequently with both dispensary and brands that are have been accruing larger CRM data sets. So they have more phone numbers and emails over time. You know, we can take that first party data that you have that you mentioned is so valuable and you can you can turn that into a retargeting list. Right. So you can do things like, OK, we, we know that these are our customers. We, we want to send them a new product or promotion or we're here um, and target them very, you know, specifically um so that you're getting an efficient you know return on investment and then sort of my of course a dispensary is gonna is gonna want to know what a brand's gonna do to drive sell-through you know what are you doing to build consumer traffic to create more velocity to drive me foot traffic into my store and what are the tactics that are you going to be um doing that so i think you know co-partnerships between a brand and and a dispensary or a number of dispensary that has measurable attribution from the emailing from programmatic ads um maybe layer on the text messaging that that you have to see you know which one is going to be able to trigger those um to be able to drive the traffic to the store and then that then obviously depletes inventory and incentivizes re-up yeah I'm trying to get to a way to encourage people to spend the time to look at the data that they have, right? Because you've got <laughs> a CRM data set, it's coming from different places. You've got emails and sometimes phone numbers and sometimes addresses, and they came in at different times for different reasons. And data cleaning is a tedious task, right? And yeah. and then in order to create segments, you actually you need to go through the effort of really looking at every customer and putting them in the appropriate bucket. And it's one yep. of those things, you know, running a canvas brand is very difficult and there's so many things you need to do that that's, that's an exercise that many times people don't do, right? Cause it, it, it just takes time. However, what I want to encourage people to do is to actually look at that data, segment it correctly, because that time that you spend organizing your customers into logical units 
will pay off in terms of your marketing efforts and how you speak to them. And you'll get the value back of the time that you invest. You'll get it back in terms of better sales, better engagement. Um, and so that's why I was, you know, kind of going down the exercise of oh, like, it, sure. there are real impacts doing this. I think it's challenging, um, especially within the cannabis industry, because we don't necessarily have the resources or the personnel of people who love data to begin with to have the bandwidth to be able to go through the discipline of segmentation and three, design campaigns that are relevant and customized to those segments and then continue to follow along to see, oh, if we did this, that happens. And and then to, to be able to take the learning and help design future campaigns. I, I, if you think about from a, a non-demic or, or a general market, you will probably unsubscribe from lists if you feel that a certain brand or a certain retailer is selling, sending you irrelevant information. You're like, yeah. this is not relevant to me. I already have hundreds of emails that land on my phone every day. Why do I want this? And so the yeah, I mean that's but that's part of that relationship too, because middle funnel is about relationship building. It's about incentivizing behavior. It's about gaining that tighter engagement and seeing to your, you know, to your potential customer or existing customer. I know you, I know what you like. I know what you don't like. So whatever I'm going to um, send you and whatever I'm going to communicate to you, I'm going to know that it's it's going to be something that is thought through and it's going to be relevant and it's not a waste of your time. Yeah, and the um, the the thing about the mid funnel and communication is it, there's it's a it's a value it should be a value exchange with the customer, which is the customer is exchanging the value of their time by reading the content that you're giving them. So the content that you're giving them, if it does not, if you're not giving them value back in the form of education, discounts, interesting information, entertainment. It could be things that are funny. I mean, that's what sure. every insurance ad, right? They're just trying to get you to laugh. Um, scary but if you, if you're you, doing something wrong and you better fix it. Yeah, or that, yeah. Um, but if you are sending, if you're trying, if you're communicating with people and asking for their time and you're doing that over and over again, and all that you're doing is, is giving them a sales message, which is buy more, um, then you're right. That's that's when people start to stop listening to you, unsubscribe, block, um, et cetera. So I, I think that's a valuable thing that gets missed, especially um, in the mid funnel, because, you know, you're so focused on how do I drive sales? How do I get people to buy things? You have to remember that there's a human being on the other side and that human being is giving you their time in order to listen to your message. Sure. And you and I have had, you know, several conversations around valuable, um, valuable campaigns and then kind of like empty conversions. I know, I know we we spent a lot of time talking about this in the past and and not really recently. As we're as you're warming up your relationships um at mid funnel, you're trying to create a loyal customer, right? Mm -hmm. Who's going to come back um and repurchase, tell their friends, you know, maybe send you a testimonial, send it in a review. All of those are incredibly valuable versus empty conversions. I just want, I'm going to incentivize you with a promo. You're going to convert and you may never, you know, you may never engage with me again. I still, we still got a conversion out of it, but we didn't necessarily build a loyal customer or a custom or a loyal customer relationship. Those are very different things. Now you still get a sale. And I think 
um, within the cannabis industry where um, marketing spends are really tight. A lot of times you're driven to closest to conversion, which are lower funnel activities at the demise of your mid funnel, which is about relationship building, about extending and improving lifetime value of creating a loyal customer who's going to talk about your, your brand more often. So, you know, oh, I think that's you. It's oh, am I calling you? No. Um, <laughs> The um, okay, so we're talking about um, the the mid funnel. We started talking a little bit about what I would say is a, is a common mistake, which is barraging people with messaging that is, is not useful to them. But yep. what are other common mid funnel mistakes that you have seen people make in the past, or possibly even made in yourself? But I'm sure that that's never happened. That's um, relationships. It's like you're making too <laughs> aggressive a move too quickly. Okay. Yeah. And like okay, I'm getting to know you. I'm kind of dating. Maybe we're kind of like going to the museum. But then you know you might make a move, and they're like, "Whoa, I'm not there yet." Right. So. Um, I think sometimes when you're just warming up a relationship in that mid-funnel activity, it, it could be a little bit more of an intrigue. It could be, I'm just going to continue to send you useful information. I'm going to tell you about how somebody, let, let's say it's a fashion brand. I'm going to send you some content of how some of our customers wore that particular blouse or jacket or, uh, or those really cool jeans. And um, instead of, 60% off by now we're like whoa i'm not there yet okay yeah yeah that makes sense um and then what about just going a little to the sort of the top of the middle of the funnel um oh so that's before let's say in ecom terms i noticed that you come to my site you checked out a couple of items but you haven't put it in the cart or you've put it in the cart and you hadn't con you hadn't converted which which part are we talking about well, I was actually, I was going to talk about the um, capturing of first party data, actually. Ah, okay. And so, you know, you see this on pretty much every e-commerce website you go to, you go there some number of seconds or some action later, you get a pop-up and the pop-up says, join our list for valuable information and amazing oh. deals um, up to some percentage off. In your experience, what are some of the better messages that you can give to a website visitor to get them to want to sign up to your newsletter or or whatever it is, bargain club or anything like that. Um, obviously you want to A-B test messages and try different things, but you've, you've done this for a number of brands. Um, I'm curious if you have any bits of wisdom for people that are listening in. Sure. So a live sample, a live example was when we created the cannabis compendium for Poplar and Barkley. You know, mm -hmm. I can probably pull it out, but, um, but instead of doing that, um, it's a, it's a you know uh, a really well thought through booklet with lots of information about the different types of cannabis plants. You know, cannabis one hundred and one. What are the form factors? Um, what are the the different products in terms of how it's used? Um, that was a really great um, first party data content capture or information capture tool. So. You can just download the PDF of that from the website. And in order to download, you need to give us your email. Yep. <clears throat> that makes sense. So that uh, was a really great 
upper mid funnel type of tactic that we had within the website where you might get a pop-up of learn more about, you know, cannabis wellness products and you put in your email, um, then you can, you know, then you get a download link. Boom. Now I have your email. And I know that you're interested in learning more about how cannabis can help you with a more active lifestyle. Yeah, I guess an example uh, from our side is actually what we're doing today, right? So MediaGel, we're a marketing company. We help cannabis companies do marketing. Um, but we do these webinars every other Thursday. Um, and we we like to bring on um, expert panelists like yourself so that we can give information to people that they want, right? Um, and, and that does put people into you know, our CRM. So now we know who has, who is interested in this information and that becomes someone who may be interested in learning more about our services, right? And what we do at Media Gel. Yeah, so so you're doing value first, right? You're providing something valuable at the upfront so that they might say, oh, I really like uh, what they were talking about um, on that particular webinar. I think I'm going to contact these folks and see what they can do for my business. Yeah, exactly. So there's there's an example from this side. Um, now let's talk about discounting a little bit. So discounting over is, discounting in our industry at the moment. Yes, it, it is the hammer that everyone reaches for first, um, and it's it's effective, right? So you know we run lots of digital campaigns across the country, and we see people run different amounts, right? 10, 20, 30, 35 percent off, first time order, special, whatever it is. And it does get people's attention, like a 30% off offer, usually people will engage with. Um, but in your experience, what metrics do you have on the other side of that? You run a, you run a, a discount campaign for 30% off. How many of those customers are really just bargain shoppers and they're just going to go hop to one 30% off offer every week to whichever one of the 20 dispensaries around them is offering it at that time? Oh, yeah, that competitive shopping and comparative shopping is happening is incredibly prevalent right now. You're probably seeing on wheat maps some of these dispensaries that are going for 80% off first order. And you're thinking, wow, you know, how do you make money off of that, right? And yeah. and, and it just, um, it trains shoppers to shop around because they know then they're, they're going to get more a, a more aggressive deal but there's no loyalty so it kind of goes back to what we were talking about originally are you nurturing a valuable relationship that you can create uh, a lifetime value that is important to you or do you want an empty conversion that the person will never come back and it's like a one-time customer that you have zero relationship with yeah we call it frequently we call that leasing your customers um, buying your customers? <laughs> well, you're, well, you're not even buying them because they don't stay. You're just leasing the customer for like that one transaction. Well, no, if, if you didn't make any money on that first conversion, you bought that customer because it spent, it cost you, you know, 20, 30 bucks to buy that consumer um, who came in and didn't even spend, you know, the equivalency of whatever it cost you to um, get them into your store. Yeah. Now, do you have any examples of non-discount offers that you've seen be dis- be successful in some way or another where it's not necessarily, we're giving you a percentage off, but we're going to give you something else? I think a lot of loyalty programs out there, you know, we had one as well. 
um, in our store, store where, you know, it's one point for every dollar, but you don't get to use those points for your current purchase. You have to apply those points to your future purchase. So then that incentivizes the next purchase. Yeah, that, that works. You know, um, and multi programs are great because you can always track your most loyal customers and what they're buying, which are the stores that they're going to. Um, and that helps you with inventorying and making sure those destination brands are always at the stores that they go to. And um, I think that, you know, in terms of mid-funnel activity, um, having the right product mix for, you know, your loyal customers or your high frequency customers are really important. Yeah. So let's say we've we've got some some segmentation going. We have some successful tactics in play. On the other side of that, it's not super valuable unless you're tracking this information correctly. Right? <laughs> Correct. So um, if you're if you're doing offers and doing all these things and you don't actually understand the data behind that, um, that you can't replicate things. You also can't find holes, right? And frequently, when you do discounts, it creates financial holes within your system where you you may be over discounting or you didn't take some other costs into the or maybe the marketer marketer didn't understand that there's logistical costs that are happening on the delivery side. So now they've discounted it where we're again buying customers and losing money. Yeah. Um, we don't need to endorse any particular platform. Hire an expert. Hire an expert. Yes. Hire an expert is always a, a, a well, hire an expert, hope they're an expert, and then you know, see how that works out, maybe hire a different expert. But um <laughs> now um rather than like going into specific technology products, what are the features that someone should look for in a system that they're going to use to be able to track what their marketing tactics are doing and what their customers are doing and how those tie together? Okay. Don't name anything, right? No, you can if you want. We're not sponsored by anyone, so there's we can't no, make it okay. mad. So, so. Um, we used HubSpot at Canacraft mm -hmm. and at uh, Poplin Barkley, which might seem a little bit of an overkill um, because, you know, they're, you know, a very big and and and, and global kind of platform. But for, for us, Hub, HubSpot was, was incredibly valuable where you're seeing the flow, you're seeing the churn, you're seeing the pipelining and the various stage. And you can use HubSpot for scheduling your emails on your different types of activity and continue to follow that flow and it helps you manage your first, first party data. Um, on the retail side, we were using Alpine IQ at uh, Urban Leaf and Harborside. So the dashboard's amazing in terms of being able to slice and dice anywhere you want in terms of store, in terms of you know top 10 brands, in terms of frequency. And also you can schedule your emails, your text messaging for different segments. So I think more importantly, it's about working with a platform or our CRM tool that helps you understand your data set and also helps you design and schedule different types of communications and read the results of the performance of your activities. Okay. So if you kind of like simplify it is help me capture, help me maintain, help me learn and segment, help me read it, and then help me do things. Okay. Now you mentioned scheduling there, which brings up, I think something that a lot of people, well, they have different opinions on, but in your experience, when are good times of the day and week to send messages? And I mentioned Thursday, 
across the board with all the dispensers we work across the country, Friday is almost uni universally the most popular day in yep. terms of sales. So Thursday is a good time to get people's attention, but is it Thursday morning? Is it Thursday night? Is it Wednesday night, Friday morning? Like what, what is a good gap in between the message you want to deliver versus the action they're going to take? Because most the other thing we see is that most people do not respond immediately, right? They're not going to get an email or, or see an ad on their phone and like make a purchase right away. There's, oh. there's a window there. So in your experience, what windows have you found that work well? Um, Thursday late morning okay. is a good time. So it's in there when people are checking their phones at lunchtime. You know, nobody's going to check it first thing in the morning. I, I, I see uh, a fair number of emails and text messages that are in your, you know, on your phone by the time you wake up. And I think, yeah, that's kind of okay. But my preference would be, you know, hit you when when you're kind of like gotten through your masses of communication first and then you know keep that in mind uh when you're about to grab some lunch on a thursday so a thursday uh late morning right. um i think um sunday night or monday morning for the tell me what you got for the week type of communication um and then also you know if you think about um not necessarily happy hour, but if you think about, you want to incentivize and drive certain amount of behavior um, in the sort of late afternoon before evening for people who might have more of a spontaneous purchase and want to pick something up on their way home or have something for the evening. I think those, um, you know, four o'clock uh, emails or text messages are also very useful if you want to drive that, that band. Right. Between, you know, five and nine. Yeah. And on the um, on the display side specifically, which is what we, we do a lot of work in display, we define that as like a receptive moment. And and the thing about display ads is they're ephemeral, right? They're they're only there for that one moment and they yep. go away versus an email or a text. You can kind of go back to it and look at it. So when you're doing display advertising, finding that receptive moment window um, has a huge impact on on the engagement and conversion that you can get. Yeah, well, I, I think people are on their phones all the time anyway. So, um, if you if you if you send them a programmatic ad that kind of pops up and they go, oh, that's kind of interesting. I'll you know, I'll, I'll go there on my way home, or I'll go there when you know I'm about to you know go out for the evening. I need to pick up a few things. Yeah. Well. We'll also send them more than one ad too, right? So wow, it's kind of like, yeah. Different, different times of the day. Um, I We do have a, a Q&A section for those of you I see that are on Zoom. Um, you can enter any questions you might have and and we'll answer them, assuming that they're appropriate and, and compliant. <laughs> um, so, um, all right, let's see here. I think I had a couple other topics. I think we're coming up on time here, but let's see if I missed anything from our notes i hope it's the conversation that we have or um is pragmatic you know and useful um so that it's not just theoretical or academic in, in any way yeah so let's maybe um i think we can i'd like to go into some more you've mentioned a couple but in in the pragmatic category um talk about some specific 
successful things that stand out in your mind of like, oh, we had this particular campaign or this tactic or this activation um, where you saw, you know, good results. And um, and then that maybe gives people some ideas to think about how they could, you know, apply that to their own marketing world that they're living in. Sure. Um, I would say in the last five years, one of the most successful campaigns that we did um, was more of a 360 uh, where we were speaking to a specific audience, like a, an active aging audience for Poplar Barclay. Um, we actually did Cannabis 101 education um, seminars at assisted living facilities in the desert. And oh, then, wow. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, during what we called desert activation, there were also billboards that were out there. Uh, we also had print ads. We had newspaper. We had bus shelter. Um, and concurrently, we were partnering with a number of dispensaries out in the desert um, to be able to bring these uh, active aging uh, consumers into their store. Um, and we were able to literally handhold these consumers into a dispensary. Like this is what it, this is what it's going to be like. You present them with your ID. Then you talk to someone who's called a bud tender. They're going to be able to talk to you about the various cannabis products that are available and might help you with your back pain, your knee pain, you can't sleep, um, maybe some anxiety. Um, and that desert activation was less than six months. And at the height of the desert activation, um, we bust a hundred seniors into a dispensary in one day. So oh, wow. the, the goodwill and the value of literally Busing customers to a store is pretty significant and um, customers who had already been educated, customers who are going to be loyal once they find products that work for them. We saw that this customer was spending, I think, anywhere from $120 to $180 per basket and that there was the, um, the trackable repeat of these customers. Um, there was this one customer who bought four bottles of Papa Barkley capsules at one time because they didn't want to run out. No. So, you know, from a B2B, uh, from a business, from a brand to consumer standpoint, you educated, you showed value. Um, you actually have a, a very uh, well thought through customer engagement experience all the way through from education to conversion at the store level, right? Um, and then from the the brand to the business, which is your retailer, you're seeing I'm bringing um, already incentivized and educated um, shoppers into your store. I'm um, helping you deplete our inventory and whatever else you're selling at your store. And these mm -hmm. consumers are coming back to you because they enjoy that in-store experience and um, they're a high value consumer um, for your store. So uh, a dispensary customer, I think on average, they spend like maybe 50 to $60 per basket. So if you're coming in and actually bringing in customers who are spending 120 to $180, that's really significant in terms of that relationship with your retailer. And to the extent that you can share, was there, what kind of like measurable success did you see sort of immediately and over the short term thereafter uh, in terms of some kind of, I'm assuming there was a healthy amount of sales lift for you? Oh yeah, there is huge sales lift since it was geolocated within 
uh, the desert area in terms mm -hmm. of Palm Springs and, and Palm Desert, uh, we could actually see the, the active lift and the inventory uh, re-ups and also the goodwill of these retailers, because unless you had a certain level of inventory in your store, we wouldn't be bringing a hundred consumers to your store either. So yeah. that, you know, in a way kind of like expects or mandates a certain level of inventory that you have available. There's no point bringing customers into a store and you don't have enough products. Like you shouldn't set up your demo day in a dispensary unless you know there's enough inventory to be able to support that particular um, promotion. Or, you know, in terms of programmatic and display ads, you're not gonna drive that traffic to certain stores unless you know those stores are really robust in terms of its merchandise and, and, and inventory. So there needs to be uh, an understanding. It's not just one way me sending you people and, and potential shoppers, but you know, it needs to be reciprocated that once we drive that traffic, there's a conversion or there's a conversation that can take place. Okay, yeah, that's great. That sounds like a, a really awesome activation. Now, let's say you don't have buses and billboards and bus stops and, and um, docents taking people around. Um, Maybe you, do you have another example of something that was on a smaller scale that, um, you know, I'm thinking about people that might be listening in or watching that have maybe a smaller budget, a smaller organization. Um, any examples of some, some more attainable uh, tactics that you've seen work well in the past? Yeah, if you're going to have, um, let, let's start with your PADs, right? or your demo days in, in uh, a dispensary, that's not gonna cost you a lot to have someone who's gonna have a demo table or, or someone who's gonna be actively speaking to your um, sales team, your um, bud tenders who are on the floor, the customers who are coming in and shopping and, and picking things up to be able to have those conversations. Um, what we saw was that brands who were activating and having demo days were um, on average seeing a two and a half times lift on their normal daily average. So that's not a huge lift and that's not a big spend. It's not about billboards and bus shelters and whatnot. Yeah. And also what we're doing at those demo days is we're capturing email addresses. We yes. have a tablet or a piece of paper or something or not like a photographic memory. One of those three things um, because that that's going to give you a nudity value in that exercise because you know, now I can, I can send them something. Now you can send them something. Exactly. All right. Well, I think we're getting up on time here, Angela. I very much appreciate you taking the time out of your day um, to speak with me and everyone else that's listening in. Um, is there, what are good ways for people to potentially contact you if they want to learn more about the Emerald cup and why, what might be in store or just ask you questions in general? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's just at Angela Pye, A-N-G-E-L-A-P-I-H. Um, I always answer my DMs. That will probably be the best place to be able to find me. Or um, you want to check out my portfolio site. It's brandtrust.co, B-R-A-N-D-T-R-U-S-T dot C-O. Uh, and then from there, there's a contact sheet that you can um, send me You know, a bit of communication. And I'll respond. Yeah. Well, I would encourage you to reach out to Angela. She's definitely one of the best marketers in the industry and that I've ever worked with. So thank you again for your time. Um, I am your host, Jake Litke of Media Gel, 
and have a great day, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Bye. Bye.